What's up, Tiaholics? Welcome back to the Tea on Crime. It's your host, Britt. And I'm the co-host, Jessica, wife and true crime skeptic. Just as a reminder before we get started, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply our own and are only presented to educate. We've linked the case sources in the episode notes below. This week, I'm telling you the story of Darwin Vest. Darwin K. Vest was extremely interested in spiders. <laughs> Basically, anything that was creepy and crawly, that was Darwin's thing. Lovely. Darwin was born in Idaho Falls, Idaho, in 1951. He grew up loving things that would creep most people out. Clearly. An old family friend recalled that when they were growing up, the garage in their family home was filled with spiders, snakes, and all things alike. That was Darwin's passion. I don't know what I would do if when we have kids and our son was like, I love spiders, I'm never going to be able to have a relationship with our son. For fear of dying. <laughs> you would embrace it. No, I wouldn't. Think of all the cool facts you would learn. I would burn the house down. Oh my gosh. That was drastic. <laughs> Just letting you know. That's what's going to happen. I will commit yeah. arson. <laughs> Darwin is described as being incredibly bright and having a scientific mind. As Darwin became older, he had a specific interest in the study of venom, toxins, poisons, and the effect they had on humans. That's really an interesting thing to be. It is a very interesting thing. I feel like you don't hear a lot about that. No, it's very specific. I, I think it's kind of that you have to have a specific mindset to go into, uh, what is it, the, get an education in being, um, what is it, the people that own the funeral homes and stuff like that? Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, they actually have to get a degree in that. Which yeah, is really, I did not know that. I it's mean, really cool. we need those people, though. We do, yes. <laughs> Darwin became a toxologist. For those who aren't familiar, a toxologist is a scientist who has a strong understanding of many scientific disciplines, such as biology and chemistry, and typically works with chemicals and other substances to determine if they are toxic or harmful to humans and other living organisms or the environment. It's actually really cool. Yeah, I thought it was super interesting. An old co-worker of Darwin's said that Darwin would usually go out into the field and collect the creatures himself. He would go out and find rattlesnakes for research and always knew exactly where to find the nest. Creature hunting with Darwin, as he described, was always a very exciting time. In 1986, Darwin was researching the hobo spider yeah. at Washington University. I got bit by a hobo spider once. You know, I didn't think about that when I was putting this case together. Yeah. You're going to be creeped out the whole time. Listen, for all you people, I have a very significant, severe phobia of spiders but you still have to kill them when they're in the house because you, i panic <laughs> you know which is funny because when Brittany and i started dating and you know when you get to like those points to where what are you gonna do when we get married and Brittany, lie this is one of her many lies Brittany told me don't worry i will always kill the spiders that has not happened once that yet. was a lie <laughs> so you know like those tiktoks where you see like the guy with the bowl and the spiders on the ceiling and then the spider hits them and that's me just so we know that's me <laughs> that was a lie <laughs> i'm gonna have a heart attack it's fine did you know that they are called hobo spiders because they are thought to have arrived in distant cities by train. Yes. Like the, did you know that the brown recluse is initially from Texas and it transported to like other cities and states by the back of like a truck and produce? Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. And then we became a science podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying that I only know that because I'm terrified of them. So it's fine. <laughs> 
So them arriving um, on the trains in distant cities is compared to much like a hobo would. Oh, that makes sense. How clever. Yeah, that's how they came up with that. I love that. Darwin conducted a study about a hobo spider bite and just how toxic it was presumed to be. In the study, he had hobo spiders bite rabbits. After the bite occurred, the rabbit would have lesions, bleeding, and rotting tissue. Mm -hmm. The work was published in a scientific journal. The CDC read Darwin's work and thus was born the fact that a hobo spider bite will cause rotting tissue in humans. This is when the hobo spider became a spider to fear. Some scientists in the years that have gone by since Darwin's research have challenged the fact that hobo spiders will cause rotting tissue in humans and have stated that there are no confirmed cases in humans to back up this theory. Yes, when I was bit by one, uh, it just caused lesions and like a an allergic reaction. But now, my, I, as you can see, I very much <laughs> still have all the skin. So the skin my... is still there. Yes, the tissue, so, tissue was intact. So maybe it was incorrect then. Maybe it's just different because we all react to things right. differently. Right. Darwin would have never have been one to back away from the debate, but since he vanished in June of 1999, his work has remained unfinished. Oh, this is going to be a vanish. Okay. Yeah, we took a little bit of a turn there. Interesting. Okay. After college, Darwin moved to Idaho Falls. He set up his own business called Eagle Rock Research. He was frequently called on to speak of his work. There were times he was called upon to testify in FBI and CSI cases. I thought that was pretty cool. That is really cool. While in Idaho, Darwin always lived with or near, nearby his mother. They were extremely close. Darwin did have friends, but he never had any romantic interests. He never pursued love, romance, or money. He was more interested in science. I did read that most people described him as odd and very introverted. Even being an introvert, he did enjoy going to local bars. He was described as being an alcoholic. And while he did own a car, he preferred to walk everywhere. He would go on daily walks in the morning and at night, and he would walk to and from the bar. He always enjoyed walking along the Snake River. Have you ever been to the Snake River? I have seen it. I've never been to it. Have you been to it? I have not, but a lot of our family camps up there during the um, the summertime. I That's think they do cool. like a family before our family reunions that we go to oh yeah we might have to check that out one day we're very close to it yes for those of you that might not be familiar with the snake river it is 1078 miles long and snakes through wyoming southern idaho and turns north along the idaho oregon border the river then enters washington and flows west to the columbia river oh i didn't know that it went to the columbia river yeah it's pretty cool how it just kind of snakes through you know, the name, but <laughs> go figure. Go figure. That's strange. On the evening of March 5th, 1996, Darwin walked to a local bar for dinner by himself, like he did often. This was not normal for him, or it was not out of the norm for him. He was always walking everywhere, like we said. Okay. However, after having dinner and a few drinks, he recalls the rest of the night was full of foggy moments for him. But what he did know is that at 1 a.m., he got out of the backseat of a car to walk the rest of the way home, and two men from inside the car jumped out, mugged him, and assaulted him. A few hours later, Darwin was discovered in the gutter by local highway patrol, beaten horribly, but alive. Oh, goodness. Yeah, isn't that horrible? That's a little crazy. I wish there was more information as to why Darwin accepted a ride home that night, or how that even came to be, but unfortunately, Darwin himself couldn't even recall. It is possible that he was very drunk and accepted the ride, but due to how badly he was beaten, he can't recall. I wonder if they had picked him up. They probably, since he 
it sounds like he went to this bar often. Right. He was probably a regular, and I'm sure if somebody wanted to get their hands on him, they would just have to watch him a couple of times, find out his routine. 96, I don't even know if we had cameras back then. Well, and it seems like um, he was someone that was very routine. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure it wouldn't take long for them to figure out what exactly he was doing and how often he did it and things like that. So kind of like you were saying, it could have been premeditated in a sense. Where they just grabbed him or whatever. Right. Yeah. After the incident, the police were attempting to figure out who did this to Darwin so they could be charged with assault. Darwin's wallet was missing and police tracked his bank purchases where they found that his bank card was used at a local motel and even more interesting was that Darwin's name was also used on the reservation for the motel. Interesting. Police were confident that this clue would lead them to the men. The card was also used the next day at a local gas station as well as a local restaurant. You're just going around using somebody else's I mean, stuff. That's, they probably didn't know. Right. The police were able to identify the man as a 31-year-old named Don Ellingford and another man named Randy Walker. Don was a pr- had a pretty extensive record, including charges for drugs and theft, and was in and out of prison most of his life. Darwin told police that he wanted to follow through with charges, so the police were able to charge Don with the assault and robbery. Yeah. Don wasn't happy about any of this, of course, and once he was found guilty of the crime, he was sentenced to three years in prison. In court, Don was heard telling Darwin that he was going to, quote, get him. I feel like that's a pretty general, right? Yeah, I mean, who would be happy about that? <laughs> I just feel like it's, I'm sure it's common. Right. In early 1999, three years after his assault, Darwin invented a hobo spider trap, and he pitched his idea to Fred Meyer in hopes of selling it there. Remember Fred Meyer? Yes. (laughs) In spring of 1999, Fred Meyer expressed interest in selling his invention at their stores. Darwin landed the contract, and it was a really big deal for him. That night, which was June 2nd, 1999, Darwin decided he wanted to celebrate. That was a very cold night in Idaho, and it happened to be pouring rain that evening, but that didn't stop Darwin from walking. June 2nd in Idaho? Mm Mm-hmm. Apparently it was very rainy, but I mean, who's to say what their cold is versus someone else's cold? I feel like their cold is very similar to our cold, so I, f- I think very cold is not cold at all. <laughs> so perhaps it wasn't very cold, just cold. We're not sure. <laughs> but it was, in fact, <laughs> raining. Around 8 p.m., he made the 12-mile walk from his mother's house to a local what? bar. <laughs> It is very far. I'm just, I'm, what are you going to do? I'm going to casually go on a 12-mile walk to celebrate? What kind of celebration especially, is this? Especially at 8 p.m. That's very far. And because he had a car. Why wouldn't you just get in the car? I want to celebrate. Let's go on a 12-mile walk. I swear, if you ever want to celebrate and you, it starts, the next words are 12-mile walk. You're out. You can count me out. The 12-mile walk from his mother's house to a local bar called the Frosty Gator. It's a pretty cool name, though. 12-mile walk. <laughs> no big deal. I can't. <laughs> he met his friend Eric for trivia night. Eric was ready to call it a night after a couple of pitchers of beer and a few hours of trivia. Eric drove himself to the bar that night since it was pouring rain when they arrived. Eric offered Darwin a ride home, as he always did. Darwin declined and stated he would just walk home. Eric went on his way. 48-year-old Darwin Vest was never seen again. Oh, that's crazy. Isn't that sad? Mm -hmm. 
the just vanish stories are always just they're so horrible i mean any case is horrible but you just that's it you're gone i always find the conspiracy theories about stories like this super super interesting well there's so many ways you can go with it While Darwin and Eric were at the bar that night, they ran into a 45-year-old man named James Lee Curtis. No relation to Jamie Lee Curtis, I read. Someone really questioned it. (laughs) It took me a minute to realize who that even was. Wow. Isn't she the Activia commercial actress? She is known for so many other things besides Activia. How dare you downplay her talent to yogurt? She is the actress. (laughs) That does the Activia commercials, right? Yes, that is correct. Okay. (laughs) You can also find her in Halloween, your favorite movies. Oh, God. She was also in Freaky Friday. The list goes on, not just yogurt. Activia. Got it. (laughs) Activia. (laughs) (laughs) While James and Darwin did know each other, they weren't very close. From what I could find, it did seem like Eric was closer with James. When Eric left the bar for the evening, James told Eric that he would, quote, take care of Darwin, since Darwin was very drunk that night. It's kind of an interesting statement to just, I mean, who's to say? He might be a really great person, but he just kind of inserted himself in their trivia night almost, right, to say, hey, I'll take care of him. Well, I mean, if Eric and James were friends, maybe he was just like, hey, listen, he's your buddy. I got him. It's right. all good. Don't worry about right. it. Right. And that might be definitely what happened. Or they could have just been in cahoots together and Eric could have left and no alibi, right? Or that would have been his alibi. He would have left. What's his face could have taken Darwin somewhere and then Eric could have been there waiting. So who knows? Conspiracy theories. <laughs> and just, so begins her conspiracy I'm just theories saying, on this case. I don't trust people. <laughs> I don't trust people. Since this was a Wednesday evening, the Frosty Gator closed at midnight. Darwin and James left within 20 minutes of Eric leaving and decided they weren't finished drinking for the night. They went over to a local bar that was within a two-mile walking distance, so that one's a little better than 12. But So did they walk to this bar? They did. Yeah, so they walked to the next bar. Um, It was a local divey bar called the Golden Crown. They sat at the bar and had a beer, but shortly after, James left and Darwin stayed by himself. Yeah, probably because he was like, you know what, I I drank a lot. I got a two-mile walk back to my car (laughs) in the pouring rain. This makes so much sense to me. Darwin was seen walking out of the bar between 12.20 and 12.40 a.m. to walk home by himself. Now, remember, he's got that 12-mile hike back home. Well, technically, wouldn't it be now 14 miles? Oh, you're right, because, you know... Extra two miles. (laughs) Strangely enough, around 20 to 30 minutes after Darwin left the bar, James returned back to the bar, this time by himself, and asked the bartender where Darwin had gone. The bartender told James that he had left. I bet you he had told Darwin, hey, I'm I'm ready to go. I'm going to go walk these two miles back to my car. If you're still here, I'll come and grab you. I'll come back. (laughs) To kidnap you but you know it's fine you never know the next morning when darwin's mother woke up and realized her son wasn't home she started asking around for anyone that had seen or known what happened to darwin since him coming home every night or i'm sorry since him not coming home every night was very unlike him when no one had reported seeing him darwin's mother called the local police department to report her son missing she had even called eric to find out if he knew where darwin might be But Eric was out of town all day with his family, and he didn't find out until later that evening that Darwin was missing. Isn't that convenient? A little convenient. 
Of course, once Eric returned to town and was known as one of the last people that had seen Darwin, the police brought him down to their station and he was questioned. His out-of-town trip with his family was credible, and Eric told police everything that had happened the night before, and he was cleared. Of course he was. <laughs> Eric was able to give police helpful information, including the fact that James was the last person that would have been with Darwin. There were no suspicions regarding Eric. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe Jessica's sus I have suspicions. suspicions. Yeah. James also went out of town the next day, so police weren't able to question him right away. But James's family did let police know that he had been dropped off that morning around 1 a.m. Interesting that he had been dropped dropped off by who? Exactly. Who dropped him off? When he had ha had a car, what, like 40-something minutes before? Right. Well, and he went to the bar. He went back to the bar shortly before 1 a.m. looking for Darwin. Yeah, because look, Darwin walked out of the bar between 1220, 1240. James, or no. Wait, hold on. He left the bar. He left the bar around exactly right. around 1 a.m. Mm -hmm. when James had returned. So little suspicious. Who dropped you off, James, after you drove to find Darwin around <laughs> the same time? Hmm? But different members of his family all reported different times of him arriving home. So it's hard to find an exact time that he really did get dropped off. When police questioned James after about a week, a week, yeah, because he was out of town. I bet he was. Air quotes there. <laughs> James told him the events of the night before, which closely matched everything that Eric had reported happening. When police brought up the fact that he left the bar and returned a short while later looking for Darwin, he explained that he left to go to an ATM. The ATM wasn't working, and so he returned to the bar a short while later, only to find that Darwin had left. So he called a cab and went home. There were a lot of complications with this story, though. He couldn't remember which events happened on which night, since it was a week later. James did tell police that Darwin was very drunk that night and perhaps fell into the Snake River on his walk home. The Snake River was three miles away from the bar that they were drinking, but the Snake River wasn't on Darwin's way home. It was on the opposite side. That's interesting. Police started to wonder if he did fall into the Snake River anyways. Of course. That's what they're going to jump to. It's the easy answer. That's fantastic, even though it has nothing to do with the direction that he was going to go in. Nope. Darwin, you just decided to go swimming three miles away <laughs> randomly. That makes sense. <laughs> According to police records, they did search James's car, where they did find a substance that could have been blood. They couldn't confirm at the time that it was actually blood, but stated it could have been. Mm -hmm. They took a sample for processing. Here comes the best part. As usual, <laughs> the evidence got lost and was never tested. <sighs> of course. Yeah. They never found anything in James's home or car, and there was no further evidence to hold James to anything. They had to let him go as a suspect. Yeah, because he'd been gone for a week. Plenty of time to get rid of everything. Right. I hate these stories. <laughs> the problem with this case is that there is so many unknowns. There was probably a lot more information regarding James and who he was as a person, but because this case isn't very well known, it basically had no media attention, which makes it really hard to research. Yeah. I had a really hard time finding anything on this case, which is really sad. I do know that James ended up moving to Arizona shortly after all of this happened, but he passed away in 2001. Oh. So if he had anything to do with it or any secrets, they went with him. So did he, do you know if he passed away of uh, natural causes or was it? I couldn't find anything that 
said how exactly he passed away, just that he had passed away. But so many people don't know this case, and there's really nothing on the internet about it, which is really sad. The morning of Darwin's disappearance, so a few hours after he had left the bar, a woman called into the police department to report that she saw the body of a man floating down the Snake River. By the time police got to the area, they didn't see anything. The sad thing here is that police themselves did admit that they didn't do a search of the river. So, if it was Darwin, their chance was missed and they can't be sure of anything. Let's go back to the guy at the very beginning of the story. Yeah, the one that said, I will get him or whatever in court. Yes, so Don Ellingford. Yes. At the time that Darwin disappeared, Don was still in prison for the crime that he had committed on Darwin previously. This has been confirmed by the prison that throughout the day when Darwin went missing, he was in prison for all three of the bed checks. Of course, it's always possible that he had someone get rid of Darwin for him. There is no evidence of this at all, so it's purely speculation. I just want to bring this up because I know that there are a lot of theories behind this case, Mm -hmm. and Don having something to do with it is one of them, which does make sense because it's a weird coincidence that Darwin, who had never had any problems with anyone, had no known enemies, barely had any friends, honestly, he had Eric, right? Randomly gets picked up at the bar, robbed, assaulted, and someone ends up in prison because of this. And then oddly enough, right before the man gets out of prison, Darwin goes missing. It's a strange fact in the case. Are there, did you look to see if there were any links between Don and whatever the friend's name is? There was were none. That we know of. That we know of. What about But him? again, no attention on this case. There could have been. I wonder if there was a connection with this uh, Don guy and Right. Eric. And there definitely could have been. But I feel like anyone that knew anything about this case is literally keeping all that information to themselves or they have since passed away and they're taking that secret with them which is horrible it is horrible so during june of 1999 don was a part of a program at the idaho state prison where they would let inmates out during the day to work but the inmates would be required to return back to prison at night interesting okay they did right they did this for inmates that were getting out soon to transition them back to normal life and get them used to the responsibility of having to show up every day for a job. So let's talk about the fact that Don could have gotten out during the day that Darwin disappeared, but he would have had to return to the prison at night, and he was there since it was reported that he was present for these bed checks, which was, again, confirmed by the prison. How far was the prison from these bars? Did you happen to look? Again, no information on that. And honestly, I don't know if the bars are even still open, they might be. Is there? I don't even think there's a prison in Idaho. It was reported as Idaho State Prison, so there mm-hmm. must be a prison, or there was a prison at the time. So what's weird about the following evening is an inmate is reported to have escaped for many hours that night, and no one noticed. Oh. So it's believed that Don could have escaped the night that Darwin disappeared. No one noticed. He kills Darwin and returns back to the prison before anyone ever realizes he's gone. It seems like these bed checks the prison claimed he was there for clearly weren't very thoroughly checked since the other inmate had been gone for hours and no one realized. It's a three-hour gap. Just so you know, from the Idaho State Prison to the Frosty Gator, it's like three hours and 25 minutes. So essentially, Don would have been out, right, for like a work release program during the day. What's-his-face could have picked him up. Right. He would have three hours to get to the Frosty Gator and back and be back at the prison for this 
bed check air quotes again for no one can see me besides Jessica, but who's to say that the bed checks are legit? I mean, they Mm. lost a prisoner the day before and no one noticed. This is what I'm thinking. So what's his fit? The friend is it? It's James, right? James. Well, the acquaintance. We won't call him a friend, but he is a friend of Eric. Eric. So James and Darwin walk the two miles, even though James has a car, Right, he writes right. that they walk the two miles to this other bar, the cra- the whatever crown. The golden crown. Yeah, the golden right. crown. And then James, right, at some point leaves, states that he's going to the ATM. Maybe they walked because Don took James's car and was waiting, right? He came and got James. James went back into the bar. Hey, where's Darwin? Oh, he left. Okay, great. So James and Don in James's car where there was the potential blood that, that was, was found. Mysteriously lost. Uh, grabbed Darwin. It would what only t- he would only be a few minutes away. So right. it wouldn't have been hard on with the car. Well, and then you also have the um statement, right? Or the, the, the alibi yeah. up from the bartender stating, Yeah, he was here, he left, and then James came back, but he was alone. So kind of all it all ties together, right? And then, yeah, and then James supposedly got dropped off. Right, by his... a cab that he supposedly called. Uh-huh. But you do have family members all giving different times. So maybe Don dropped him off, and that is correct, and then took the car back to Idaho State Prison. And then James, during that week that he was doing whatever mm-hmm. he was doing, picked up the car, cleaned everything out, and then, oh, look. I solved the case. <laughs> I solved it. Should be a detective. <laughs> I solved it. So if this is what happened and he was successful in getting away with the crime, it was a genius plan, right? Mm-hmm. To commit the crime and have a solid alibi. Because what better alibi is there than the fact that how could you have possibly done something since you were locked up in prison at the time? Which makes perfect sense. It it's true. But I mean, at the same time, I guess even with that conspiracy theory, right, that I just talked about, how intelligent <laughs> could we say, Don? <laughs> I know there's so many different ways that this case a, can go. It's, pretty, it's a pretty, you know, lucrative a lot of credit. It is. Yes, I just, oops. Yeah, I didn't solve anything. Okay. So who's going to believe that you escaped and made it back before anyone noticed? But who's to say how Don would have known where Darwin was or how that could have played out? Another theory is that someone involved in the local spider business wanted Darwin dead so that they could take over his invention of the hobo spider trap that he signed the deal with Fred Meyer for. The deal was apparently very lucrative. Someone did end up taking the company over, but they were not a suspect and were never considered a suspect. And I could not find anything on who that person was, but it did say that they were not a suspect. Okay. So, I mean, that's another theory, right? Mm -hmm. If we go back to the Snake River theory, it's very strange to me that the police did not search the river, even more so knowing that he walked everywhere. I'm not sure why we wouldn't just search it just in case. It's probably because they lost the blood sample. So they were just kind of like, oh, we're giving up at this point. No, I think it was just probably like, if we find the body then something's going to happen and we're going to get blamed for losing the sample that could have paid, right. right? It Right. Even more so, after the woman had called and reported that she saw a man's body floating down the river, they missed their chance on that one. I think it's interesting that a woman would even see a body floating down the river 
this would be like what 1 a.m 1 30 a.m it's dark it's pouring rain well reports are that she had called the next morning right so if you remember me saying it was a couple hours after darwin's disappearance so it might have been first thing in the morning and she probably couldn't have been able to see that that makes sense Another thing that is very disappointing about the Snake River theory is that a few years later, a retired police officer came forward and told reporters that the day after Darwin's disappearance, he did recall seeing someone lying by the river, but the police officer did not check on him because they assumed it was a homeless person. It was pouring rain that night, like I said earlier. Someone was laying by the river, and the officer did not check on them. For all we know, that could have been Darwin. No one was ever reported to have been found dead next to the river. So whoever the police officer did see that night got up and moved. So if it was Darwin, where did he go? Or it's possible that it really was just a homeless person. Uh, Well, I love that this retired police officer, you know, who was sworn to protect people. Protect uh, and serve. (laughs) Came forward a few years Years. later. Years. It's just... So this is, like I had told you earlier in the week when I was researching this case, I went in with a very specific mindset on, I knew, I knew how this was going to end in my opinion. And after reading everything I did about it, my opinion changed, which I did tell you. There are so many different theories. Every single one of them is sad and horrible, but the police officer coming forward absolutely changed my mind. And I think that that body that was floating in the Snake River absolutely was Darwin. Interesting. Whether someone put him there, or whether, whether he, was, he was drunk and wandered and went on a walk mm-hmm. and ended up laying down because he was so drunk yeah. and somehow got in the water, I don't know. But it's a little weird that there was a body floating and gone. I mean, I I guess I could see it that way because he was always out in the wilderness, right? So I feel like because he was a scientist and he spent... I would assume 90% of his time outside, it's probably where he felt the most comfortable. Right. So maybe he just didn't think it would be a big deal because he knew all of those surroundings. No, and I mean, he was very drunk, but it seems like most of the reports on most of the nights he was at the bar, he was very drunk. That was nothing new. It was reported he was an alcoholic, like I said. But he was out to celebrate, right? So maybe he really wasn't ready to go home when he was done at the bar. He went on a little walk. You know, just like you said, he was comfortable in nature. He laid down by the water to calm down, to take in the scenes, whatever it may be. He just laid there. Someone sees him, doesn't do anything about it, and then doesn't come forward until years later. It's horrible. It's horrible for his family. It's horrible for his case. Why would you wait so long to come forward? And then even though he did come forward... What made you come forward all of a exactly. sudden? Exactly. Like, did that just eat at you for years? And then you decided, oh, I should probably say something. So it took your conscience two years for you to be like, oh, I, I did a really crappy thing. That sucks. I totally agree. So, surprise, surprise, there's another theory in this case. Ooh, okay. Your favorite part. I do love conspiracy theories. So, there's another theory that Darwin was working on a cure for cancer. So if he was in fact doing that kind of work, it's possible that something shady happened to him because of that as well. You know, it, it makes me, okay, so I just got significantly 
interested in this case. Well, because this case, you're all over the place, right? Like I said, you start one way and you're like, oh yeah, I heard that part. This is what happened. I solved the case. You said it yourself earlier. You thought you solved the case. No, no, this is, <laughs> this is going to take me to complete. Exactly. Because direction. it changes. Everything okay. changes. So Darwin, here's the facts that we know. Darwin is introverted, spends most of his time out in the wilderness. So not with people. Um, he didn't have very many friends, if any friends. So here's the direction I'm going to go in. So Darwin obviously was coined as an alcoholic, depending on what type of drunk he was. Um, he could have been talking about this really awesome, lucrative hobo spider trap deal, right? He was very fascinated specifically with hobo spiders, which we know are extremely venomous, period, right. point blank. And you go to school for that. You spend your whole life mm -hmm. researching that. So it's something that he's he's in love with, right? And it's almost like, yeah, yes. exactly. So I'm curious, obviously, if he's drunk and he's around anybody, he's probably telling them, this is what I'm discovering. This is what I'm doing. I made this trap. The person could say, oh, what trap is it? How did you come up with it? And him not having a lot of experience with people, I think if you're in a state of inebriation, you're just going to divulge all this information. Right, right, because it's something he wants to talk about. Mm -hmm. So he's doing it to share with people like, hey, this excited. is what I'm working on. Yeah, yeah let me tell you about and it. It would be very innocent because if you're not around a lot of people, then you're going to be extremely naive to what people's right. intentions really are. So with the theory of him working on a cure for cancer, which I can actually believe right because i don't know if a lot of people know this but snake venom right at one point it will at any point it is extremely poisonous right but what we did scientifically because i'm a scientist <laughs> we went from detective to scientist i'm not a scientist but i i do know <laughs> things just so we know random things that don't make any sense but i do know them so snake venom was created, or it was ultimately treated to make medicine, right? It could be used for arthritis, thrombosis, and even some forms of cancer. So I wonder with him focusing so much on hobo spiders and the level of the poisonous venom that they secrete with each bite, I could, I could potentially see that he was working on a cure right. for cancer. Right. So now we believe this theory. There's a lot of things I'm that not, tie into I'm this case. I'm not saying I believe in any theory. Right. I, so you're not leaning one way or another yet. No, because you know that I'm a realist. I'm an extreme realist, but I'm looking at all the avenues. And I think that I think that, that theory could make more sense because I'm sorry, Don, if you are still alive. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm just saying it to be courteous. I don't think that you're intelligent enough to come up with this crazy plan and actually pull it off to murder. Well, and Darwin. I mean, to be fair, he, he stole his credit card, right? Mm -hmm. Stole his wallet, used Darwin's name on the hotel reservation, had the nerve to go around this small town at the time, yes. take it to local restaurants. At the time, it's still a small town. Well... Just so we know. I guess it depends on where you're listening from. I'm sure they're is, smaller. It's still a small <laughs> town. I've been there. I just feel like that that takes a little bit of a nerve, right? It to does. go around and just, hey, I'm going to use this card. This is me. But whereas somebody, obviously, he was the first one to come up with this hobo spider trap, right? Back to Darwin, right? Uh-huh. And 
we don't know who took over the said contract no. after him that he already talked about and i'm wondering that if this person right that eventually took over whatever contract it was with fred meyer that we can't find any information about for whatever reason was essentially the same person or you know company or whatever that hired don who obviously is not the most intelligent which we know <laughs> i don't need to keep saying that right um, that did all of this stuff and he went away. But I think maybe it was kind of playing into everything, but that they had also, that he was in fact working on a cure for cancer. And I feel like that aspect and conspiracy theory ties into so many other cases. Oh yeah. I know that there, at any time somebody says, even if it's a small sentence, right? I think I could find a cure for cancer, history repeats itself and every single one of those individuals, women, men, and they're all scientists, go missing right. eventually. And right. I think the validity of them going missing would be big pharma because if you essentially cure cancer and it can start with one form of cancer, you make all of these people healthy again. Yeah, you take away the profit. You take all profit yeah. away. For, and that's from Big Pharma. That's from, I'm so sorry, doctors right. and their practices because they make their money on the fact that people will always be sick. Yeah, you have to keep people sick in order to make money. Yes, which is unfortunate. It is horrible. And I so, see you, Big Pharma. <laughs> so essentially, our advice here to future scientists or current scientists, if you have the cure for cancer or think that you can find it, do not say it out loud. Well, I, don't, I don't even know. I feel like they still have to record their, <laughs> their findings. Just keep that to themselves. I feel like you, you can't, though, because I feel like there just, are there are companies paying for them to continue no, the research. Absolutely. And I just... But they always go missing, and it's horrible. It is really horrible. It's very unfortunate for the rest of us. It is. So I did a little bit of research because I kind of was still stuck on the Snake River, right? Him and river. him falling in and the okay. woman calling. So the Snake River is reported to have only one or two bodies found in it per year. That's it? That's it. It's not a common place that bodies are reported in. So it's a possibility that the woman that called did in fact see the body of Darwin Vest floating down the river that morning. And we never found his body, right? We're getting there. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're okay. Police don't believe that foul play was involved. They do believe that he fell in the river and drowned. Mm -hmm. Police say that since there is no trace of a body. So to answer your okay. question, no body was ever found. No, they aren't considering him dead. They still consider him a missing person because oh, wow. the body never okay. has been found. Right. So even though after all of these years, he's never spoken to his family, his bank cards have never been used. In 2004, his family had him declared legally dead because they truly believe that he was met with foul play mm -hmm. and are disappointed in the lack of police assistance in figuring out what exactly happened to Darwin. My question comes, what do you think happened to Darwin Vest? Did what? he take a drunken walk and end up at the Snake River? Was he met with danger after he left the bar? Did someone kill him because they knew that he could find the cure for cancer, that he was working on the cure for cancer? Did someone leave his body in the river? But then I go back to that person laying by the river right that mm -hmm. the police officer comes forward years later or did he just say that because they lost the sample but why wait years later i just want to know at what point you decided hey this is really eating at me i'm gonna come forward and is that why he came forward possibly so we we know that the snake river eventually filters out at the end of the day 
into the Columbia River. Into the so Columbia River. I'm assuming that eventually, right, with the gravity, it's going to flow. His body is going to go through the channels. And if it doesn't get snagged or anywhere right. else, it's going to filter into the Columbia River. Eventually, it's going to surface. So there's a fat. There's no wildlife in the Columbia River that lives in there, like gators, sharks, whatever, that would consume the body. Right. I mean, I'm not saying it can't sink to the bottom or, or whatever. Yeah. With decomposition. Yeah. But there's no wildlife per se that would consume that body other than, I guess, trout, sturgeon, whatever type of fish, snakes. But right. there's no significant, massive wildlife. So what you're saying is we're going to say that it was Darwin floating down the river just, just for this conversation. Okay? Yes. okay. So what you're stating is that Darwin's floating down the river. The woman calls, hey, I've seen this body. Essentially, that's his body. Mm -hmm. Years go by, nothing ever comes of it. So you're stating something should come of it, right? That you would think that the body would appear. They stated that they looked down the Snake River. Well, no, they didn't, remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. They never looked. So the only record we have besides the woman calling and saying, hey, there's a body floating down the river, is the police officer coming forward years later stating he saw someone lying next to the river, but he left it at that. He never checked on them. So therefore, we don't know if that person was alive, if that person was dead, if it was Darwin, if it was a homeless person. So let's say it was Darwin lying down there. Where did he go? Dear Idaho police. Is there a reason why you didn't do your due diligence when you had had these significant reports, right, from this witness of this woman, this retired police officer? Why didn't you do your due diligence to search the Snake River, I guess, is is my question, because the public are very interested in knowing. Right. That's So, so huh. what do you think? I think that the police did not do the family justice, and they did not do... Darwin justice. Absolutely not. Essentially, they did not uphold their oath of protecting and serving the people. And it is very disappointing. It is very disappointing. And just just to go back here on another theory, because this really stuck with me the whole time I was researching the case. What about the blood? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. Number one, it's crazy that both of these men just by accident go out of town the very next day. You know, it did. I did say that Eric's um, story of being out of his out of town with his family was credible, which might be true. We yeah. can't really state one way or another. Yeah. Reports show that he was cleared. There's no suspicion against him. But the fact that they both went out of town, and what about the blood? The fact that the blood sample was lost, we're never going to know who that belonged to. But it seems a little suspicious. It all kind of ties in. So with this case, for me, it seems like every possible theory plays into each other. Mm-hmm. I think you could also go another theory route would be, does the state police or the government in some form or way, do they have a uh, under the table type deal with a pharmaceutical company to where the disappearance of Darwin would have benefited everybody? Right. There's a lot, a lot of things behind this case. And in the end, the fact that he's never been found, a body's never been found, his family had to have him declared legally dead is awful. It's awful that the world lost someone wonderful. Yes. Someone that had so much potential to do great, to do great things. things. Absolutely. That was the crazy disappearance story of Darwin K. Best.
All right, you guys, on to my favorite part of the episode. Here's this week's tea time. I don't know if you're laughing because it's also your favorite part. If you're super ready to hear this. Listen, I wouldn't say that it's my favorite part. But But I mean, mean, you know. Do I find amusement in stupid people doing stupid crimes? Absolutely. Who wouldn't? (laughs) So there was a Scottish shoplifter named Aaron Morrison. He was picked up after stealing a bottle of vodka from a liquor store. Sounds like something you would do. I would never steal it. I pay for it all the time. <laughs> you know, I think that we should just invest stock in vodka. Honestly, honestly, we should. So if anyone wants to sponsor us, let us know. I'm willing. Absolute. <laughs> Tito's. Really, we kettle, could go either way with Portland this. Portland 90. We are open to all of your sponsorships in the future. We are here for it. So, it didn't take Sherlock Holmes to solve this case and find Morrison. His name and phone number were left with the clerk after he asked her out on a date. Oh my god. <laughs> I swear, every week they just get better and better and the stupidity level is just insane. Maybe we should do a poll on all of these, the tea time, stupid crime people, and see which one so far everybody thinks is the dumbest criminal. Honestly, feel free to leave us a message on any of our social <laughs> medias so we can hear which one you think has been the dumbest. Speaking of dumbest things, I have a joke for you. I'm ready and I am here for it. <laughs> so I recently discovered, uh, did you know that a slice of pie in Jamaica is $1.65 and then you have a slice of pie is $2.65 of the Bahamas? All right. Do you know what the significance of this is? Well, we like pie, but let's hear the significance. I don't like pie. You like pie. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Side note, Brittany likes to believe <laughs> that she likes pie. So, you know, come Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever, she wants eggnog, which she does not like. She wants pumpkin pie. She wants cherry pie. She wants blueberry pie, apple pie. So what do I do? There's, It's just two of us. I buy these pies <laughs> up until this last holiday. <laughs> which I got nothing. <laughs> That's because... And I buy these pies. And what do they do? They sit in the fridge and they go moldy and then they find themselves in the garbage. So therefore, I'm out like, what, 45 something dollars each holiday? Anyway, so she's not getting any more pie. That's a side note. Anyway, back to my... You know, side note there, since we're going to talk about... (laughs) Well, you said the... I'm just saying, you said... (laughs) Oh, are you going to talk about the No, 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 listen, listen. If my mother is listening, (laughs) she will find so much laughter in this segment because... I might have to list myself one day under our tea time <laughs> for the stupidest things ever done. Oh, I will think story. about that for next week, but I do have a story for another day involving Boston cream pie and yes. some mold. Mold, moldy so, cake. It's the best story. It's a ever. great story. A it story. might win the, the poll on tea time, though, for the dumbest. Yeah, but probably. But it's not a, your... I guess it could be looked at as a crime. <laughs> you are correct. A crime to my health. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back to the joke, right? Did you know a slice of pie in Jamaica is $1.65? A slice of pie in the Bahamas is $2.65. Do you know okay. what the significance of both of those are? No, I'm ready. Those are the pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> the pirates. The pirates. <laughs> You're welcome. That was a great one. You're welcome. Before we end this episode, we wanted to announce that our podcast, The Tea on Crime, has now joined Patreon. For those of you that aren't familiar with what that is, it is a monthly subscription page slash platform 
that will be ad-free with bonus episodes that are exclusive only to our Patreon listeners. So you can head on over to our page at patreon.com slash tea on crime. That is patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash tea on crime to hear more tea being spilled. We're really excited to provide you with bonus content. And then as always, you guys, we sincerely appreciate your support. Yes. If you guys haven't been over there to Patreon, the current case that we have up is the case of Robert Wan. That's a good one. That is a really good case. So head on over to that website and check it out. It's definitely worth it. That's it for today's episode. For all of our teaaholics that enjoyed our show today, please remember to go and rate the show on whatever platform you are listening to. Give us a follow on Facebook at Tea on Crime Podcast, Instagram at Tea on Crime Podcast, Twitter at Tea on Crime Pod, and TikTok at Tea on Crime Podcast. I'm your host, Britt. And I'm your co-host, Jessica. And we will be back next week to serve you more tea on all things true crime. Bye!